Good morning, disciples. <laughs> Blessed Pentecost. Friends, I, I think you remember, but you know, Pentecost is a Greek word, uh, and it re represents, or the meaning of it, is a number. It means 50. And uh, for us, it means the conclusion of the Easter season, the 50 days after. Uh, and this great solemnity completes the mission of Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, on earth. But it inaugurates the very life of the church in his name. And um, this solemnity is often thought of as the birthday of the church. However, uh, some hold that the church was born uh, while Jesus was on the cross um, and after his side was pierced by the lance. Uh, and water and blood flowed from his side, which represents uh, the sacraments of the church. So many will hold that, uh, no, it was on the cross that the church is born. Um, either way, uh, Pentecost is a wonderful celebration of the gift of the Holy Spirit and the many graces that the Holy Spirit brings with him. Him. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. It's not a bird. It's a person. It's the third person of the Holy Trinity. In our readings from the Acts of the Apostles today, we, it recounts how tongues of fire descended upon the apostles, and they were able to speak in the various languages of the known world of the time. And the Pentecost gift of tongues uh, is different from what we understand more today as the charismatic gift of tongues. They're not the same. Uh, they are different from each other. The charismatic gift of tongues enables people to speak in a language that is not understood. It is, um, when I understand it, to be an angelic form of language. Um, the gift given at Pentecost, that we heard from the, is one that brings together, was one of communication, was one that they began to understand. They said, how is it that these men, who only speak one language, now are speaking in Greek and in Latin and in all the other languages. You see, it was, so it was to bring them together, not to separate them. In fact, it was a kind of prophecy of the church also because today the gospel and the mass is celebrated in almost all the known languages of the human race. No matter where you may go, um, no matter what country you go, um, the mass is celebrated in what we call the vernacular. And in the gospel reading, uh, Jesus transmits to his apostles uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit, enabling them uh, to continue the ministry that was given to him by his Father with his ascension that he gives to the disciples to do. And his ministry particularly of forgiving sin. Luke, in the Acts of the Apostles, will focus on the preaching of the gospel everywhere. But John has taken another path. And I'm not surprised because he always does. Um, he is focusing on forgiveness of sins. And um, Jesus brought our world the gift of forgiveness. Remember, he came to reconcile the human race to his father. So he, John has it right also that uh, part of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is the ability to forgive sins. He knew that forgiveness was going to be needed in every generation. The people he forgave in his time while he was on earth um, was only the beginning. In the gospel, he gives the apostles the power to complete his work, including forgiveness. And often when we hear this passage, we think of 
the sacrament of confession as Catholics and Orthodox Christians understand it. And that is very true, and that is where uh, the, we understand the power given to, uh, through the priest. I, Mark has no power. <laughs> um, the priest, because of Jesus Christ, executes that power given to Peter, the keys. And this passage um, talks about that, and we see where uh, Jesus gives that power. But uh, it is not only, and not to diminish the sacrament that we have, but some people, and particularly Catholics, will say, well, that belongs to the priest to forgive sins. Yes, sacramentally, but each disciple also must forgive when wrong has been done to them. When the master, uh, what the master began, the disciples are finishing. In the letter to the Corinthians that we heard, um, St. Paul describes the different kinds also of spiritual gifts uh, that the Holy Spirit brings and the different uh, ministries that will be born because of that and the works uh, that will be done. And the Spirit gives to each disciple for the building up of the kingdom. Now, all of you are baptized, right? That makes you disciples of Jesus Christ, at least in name, <laughs> but also in works, and that means the gifts of the Holy Spirit have been given to you also. Not so that you can stand in some pulpit like a pretty peacock. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look what I can do. Rather, that you will build up the kingdom of God and say, look at what my Father in heaven has done. <laughs> that's what that's all about. The grace is given through the Holy Spirit transforms our inner life and at the same time will transform those you connect with, uh, the communities. But I want to go even further. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, when they are properly discovered and used uh, for the building up of the kingdom, not only transforms you and transforms your families, and tr but transforms society. Our society. When the Holy Spirit comes, it's never just a little drop. I tell people, when I do the epiclesis and I call, well, as the priest, I call down the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't come, ding. No, the Holy Spirit's kaboom. <laughs> because that's what we hear. It was massive. So massive, it changed the fate of those disciples and apostles and the church. And so when the priest or the bishop does the epiclesis, the calling down of the Holy Spirit, it fills the whole church, not just, it do, it's doing something, it's transforming, certainly. Not only the bread and wine, but you. Get that in your heads and stop resisting. What was the old resistance is futile? <laughs> yeah, that thing, whatever that used to be. I don't know, I should be careful when I use those old sayings, I don't know exactly what that meant. But, so the Holy Spirit, in doing so, the Holy Spirit enables us to live with a depth of connection to God the Father that is not naturally possible for us. Remember, before Jesus came, we could not. We're told very, very, very specifically, we were unable to reach the Father anymore. And his Son came and healed that. So now, with the gifts of the Holy Spirit... We we're able to live that life of a disciple, that closeness to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we could not naturally have had before. 
the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, has been symbolized in many, many ways. And um, uh, today we hear about fires that came down, uh, like flames that form light upon them to guide them, to enlighten them, to have an epiphany for them so that they understood. Remember, they were terrified. After the Holy Spirit comes, they were thus to do. The Spirit uh, can warm the coldness of hearts that have been distanced from God and from each other. Remember Jesus' prayer that they will be one, Father, as we are one. So the Holy Spirit um, helps us not only to come close to God, but to warm our hearts uh, towards God and towards each other. The Holy Spirit illumines our minds so that we recognize the truth, capital T, that is for me to refute what I hear all the time now, this new slave. You have to let them speak their truth. (laughs) Their truth, little t. Whatever that is. (laughs) The Holy Spirit comes and lets us know about the truth. Big T. The Holy Spirit. This is the forgiveness part that John's trying to, without it, we have no future. And I bring up Peter. Peter denies Jesus, turns his back on him in the time when Jesus needed him most. And when Jesus rises from the dead and he goes to see his, we hear what he says. He says, peace to you. (laughs) That was me. I've been you. You, you left me alone on the cross. You're going to get a spanking. (laughs) You see, Jesus comes and says, peace to you. Not only that, he says, I have work for you to do. And with Peter particularly, he gives him, he rehabilitates, he forgives, and he goes to Peter in a very special way. Because Peter really, really needed the forgiveness, and the healing because Jesus had something for him to do. Look, we gotta, I forgive you. you got to get past this. i got something for you to do. There is a future for you. This is why forgiveness is so important to us. The Holy Spirit can burn out evil from our hearts to leave a, a greater space for God's grace. The Holy Spirit has also been compared to breath. And yesterday I gave a whole second homily on that. I'm not going to do it this morning because I kept the 530 crowd for 15 minutes longer. (laughs) They're going to stone me after Mass. (laughs) But Jesus, we're told, breathes on the apostles, sending his spirit into them. And this way the Holy Spirit can make the disciples, us, powerful instruments of Christ's grace to the people around us, to our communities, to our society, to the whole world, transforming it and consecrating it to God the Father. And the Holy Spirit is compared also to water. Water irrigates and nourishes. In our life, in the life of the church, the Holy Spirit gives daily growth to fidelity and to holiness. Sometimes as well, the Holy Spirit can come with a torrent of power to eliminate what is obsolete and a barrier to the gospel. And that's why I do not become overwhelmed when I hear of all the different scandals. Christ promised to be with us, to be with his church. He is the church. He is the head of the church. 
and the Holy Spirit will drive out those things that are causing problems. People and things. Out you go. I have faith in my Lord and the working of the Holy Spirit that he will do this. Whether we experience a Holy Spirit that is often depicted as a peaceful dove that descends down or the gift of fire or water or breath. The Holy Spirit will always guide us in the church to what is in accord with Christ's will. Friends may leave us, allies may abandon us, and scandals may rock our world and us and our church. But the Holy Spirit remains with us as our link to Christ. By the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, people of every race and every tongue and every tribe and every nation have come to know who God the Father is, who God the Son is. And they've come to understand the Holy Spirit and who He is. On the day of Pentecost, the church appeared before the world as a sacrament of universal salvation for all. Whether we understand Pentecost as the birthday of the church or an epiphany within the church, it proclaims that the church is truly Catholic, small c, meaning universal. Finally, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit provided to the apostles, the first disciples, and the disciples today who are sitting right in these pews. It imparts energy and courage and love so that we may go on with the task that has been given to Christ that has been handed on to us. And in John's gospel, this is by way of building up the kingdom of God to his glory, not only by asking for forgiveness, we must, but also by giving forgiveness to others and not holding grudges. That was my whole point. Jesus comes back and doesn't hold a grudge. He lets it go and moves forward. We must all learn to do the same. That is not to diminish the sacrament of reconciliation. But I've heard Catholics say, well, that's for the priest to do, and I don't have to forgive. Oh, yes, you do have to forgive. That tells me you have not picked up the scriptures and read them. Jesus speaks about it over and over and over and over again. You must forgive. Seven times 70. <laughs> That's what he tells Peter. I always remember that. Jesus has set the example for us. He came back, not with a grudge or not with an axe to grind, but with peace and forgiveness and mercy. And each of his disciples must imitate the master in this. And it is difficult, I understand, but it's why we have the grace of the Holy Spirit to give us, to help us to do those things that just seem impossible to do.